With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, good morning this morning. I don't know what's going on with the Twitter feed, but we will figure it out. And we thank you for joining what is fastly becoming America's favorite morning show. Yeah, that's right. I got my Colts on. It's a horse kind of a day. That's right. The horse played a horse. The Colts played the Broncos tonight. Amazon Prime, Thursday night football, and I'm talking about it all day. I got a lot to get to today. Babe Laufenberg is going to join us. And I got to tell you a quick story. Babe Laufenberg was a senior quarterback at Indiana. Like I, I get there and I'm reading, wow, it's football season. I'm a little pimply-faced freshman. You know, most freshmen that come to college are really cocky. I really wasn't. I just kind of came to college hoping to play a little basketball, and I ran into Babe Laufenberg in the north lobby of Assembly Hall. I was coming in, they were, he was coming out, and he couldn't have been nicer, and I have no idea, none, zero zip, why that made an impact on me. I don't know. I legitimately don't know. It's one of those deals where I can remember it. I can't remember what I ate today. I can't remember anything, but I remember 41 years ago, Babe Laufenberg being really nice to me. I don't know. Babe Laufenberg is an Emmy Award-winning broadcaster, Texas Sportscaster of the Year, former NFL player, uh, analyst on the Cowboys Radio Network. Babe's going to join us. We're going to find out, do we have a quarterback controversy in the Big D? What's going on in the Big D? Is Mike McCarthy the best coach in the NFL, at least to this point? How good is Cooper Rush? We'll get into all of that. Also, my boy, it's hammer time. That's right, Jason Allen Hammer. He's back and he is rolling. He rolls during football season with all Indiana bets. So you're not only going to get the best in politics, but you are going to get some bets that you can take to the bank, make yourself some money. But first, an auction house. A moral dilemma, ladies and gentlemen. An auction house is offering not one, but $2 million. That's right, I said it. $2 million for the home run ball of Aaron Judge. Now, I got to ask you a very simple question. What would you do? Would you, A, take the $2 million? I mean, what the heck? I wash my hands of the $2 million. I'm sorry, I wash my hands of the ball and I grab the $2 million. Would you, B, hold out for more? Hey, look, let's be honest. Uh, let me see. I think I can get more. Corey Yeomans is the guy that caught it. I think I can get more. I think that they are willing, if they are willing to go two, they are willing to go four, three, 2.5. Remember that 0.5 may not mean a lot to you when you see contract negotiations, but that 0.5 is 500,000. I mean, that 0.1 is 100,000. I don't know about you all. But I like that point one. I ain't mad at that point one. Hell, I'll take the point oh five. But anyway, the third option, of course, is to say, well, you know what, Aaron Judge, you hit it, you deserve it, you get it. And then, of course, you bring great karma to yourself for the rest of your life if that's the way you are thinking. Personally, for me, 
it's easy to say sitting here in my basement, but I've always felt like I would just give the ball back. I don't know. If somebody came up to me and said, hey, Dan, we're going to give you $2 million. Right there. That'd be hard not to, right? I mean, that'd be almost impossible to say no to. I mean, I, I don't have, I'm not, I'm at the age where this Biden freaking administration's crushing my, my financial soul. I mean, I was getting ready to shut her down here. And next thing you know, Biden comes in with all his stupid stuff, uh, can't figure out how to do anything. And next thing you know, I got to go what? Work another 20 years because of this clown? So maybe I would just take the two million, pay the million in tax, take a million home and be happy about it. I don't know. But as I sit here right now, I got to tell you, I think I would just simply say, all right, it's your ball. You deserve it. Go get it. I do. I I think I would do that. Those are your options, though. Those are some very simple options. The YouTube chat, I want to hear from you. I want to know, what do you got? What do you got? What do you have? What do you think? I think I would give it back. But I also got to tell you, if you offered me right there, some auction house, game's over, we're all happy. Uh, I got all those people, as, as the gun show was talking about yesterday, surrounding me. It's a pain in the, it's my, well, I'm not going to say it my father used to say. It's a pain in the backside. I think I would probably, I think I would probably just give it back to Judge. Here you go. I don't know. Two million is a lot of money, though. Uh, who is the MVP? And does anybody care who the MVP is? Who is the AL MVP? Is it Otani or is it Judge? I don't really have the answer to that. I don't. I wish I did, but I don't think I have the answer to that. Um, the truth of the matter is, it seems like because his team is really good that Aaron Judge is the runaway winner. But, and that's what they say in New York, and I'm sure if they say it in New York, that's what they say on ESPN, which has influence. But Otani's the first player ever, and I want you to, or since Babe Ruth, to qualify for the ERA title and the batting average title. Now, I want you to do some thinking on this. I mean, think about that for just a second. Nobody since Babe Ruth. I'm going to go through some things. 275, 30 home, home run, 34 home runs, 95 RBIs, 15 and 8, 2.35 ERA, 213 Ks. He's a top five hitter and a top five pitcher. Now, people are pointing to records, and of course, everybody then says, well, you know, the Yankees buy everything, and maybe that's true. The Yankees certainly were involved in adding players at the deadline. At the deadline, Hell, the Angels were firing managers that had won World Series championships, Joe Madden. So I get where people say that. I get where people can go either way. For me personally, I'm going Aaron Judge. I feel like for the entire course of the season, including when the New York Yankees were struggling, I feel like Aaron Judge carried that team. Now, somebody would say, well, if you put Aaron Judge on the Angels and you put Otani on the Yankees then see what you would have. Well, okay, fine. You can say that, but is that really, I don't know. Does that really happen? Of course it doesn't really happen. That's not happening. 
So why even worry about it? I say this, and I always say this, and even going back to one of my all-time favorites, Andre Hawk, the Hawk Dawson, won the MVP for a last place club. I, I don't think it's right. Now, if you're going to say to me the best player in baseball, you guys always tell me it's Mike Trout and it's not close. And I say, okay, it's Mike Trout, but his team never wins. Otani's teams never win. Now, maybe it's just the Angels, and I think it is. They are the L.A. Clippers, former L.A. Clippers. Maybe now L.A. Clippers are going to win, but they are the L.A. Clippers of the Major League Baseball organizations or whatever. They got great players. Look up at the Clippers over the years. I mean, they had dudes. Well, they never won, and they still don't win. Otani's team was supposed to win. Otani's team was supposed to rock and roll. Otani's been good. Trout's been hurt. Has he lifted the team? I don't think so. 73 and 89. I don't know. The Yankees are 99 and 63. That factors in for this guy. But Otani is probably the greatest baseball player that I've ever seen. I remember going to a game. We were out in L.A., Lee and I, we went to a game. Otani was playing. We're like, wow, he's different. He's big. He's strong. I mean, it's crazy, this guy. So, look, whoever you want to pick, pick. I personally would pick Judge. If you're going to say who's the best player in baseball, I would say Otani. But how valuable are you if your team wins 73 games? I mean, let's be honest. I know that's a stupid statement. And I know baseball crazy analytics guy loses their mind. But I don't care about crazy analytics guy. It's called Don't At Me with Dan Dockage. I'm Dan Dockage. I give you my opinion. Give me Judge. We'll figure it out. Then in L.A., they're like, well, the home run record is 73. Is it really? Maybe it is. I don't know. You want a feel-good story? I'll give you a feel-good story. Get ready for a feel-good story. Brian Robinson Jr. is designated to return to practice 38 days after being shot multiple times in the leg. It's a sad story that we've got to talk about that. It really is. It's ridiculous that you've got to talk about somebody being shot. I mean, in Indianapolis this morning, I just read, if you want to follow Indianapolis and the murders, follow Angela Ganote, G-A-N-O-T-E. It's unbelievable. Every day, morning, noon, and night, people are getting shot in Indianapolis. Well, this is a good story. Brian Robinson, who is a running back for the Washington Commanders and was expected to be a big part of their offense, 38 days ago, as I said, wasn't involved in anything. He was a kind of just a guy that was on the side, and he gets shot. All right. Man. And he calls it a beautiful day that he is back to practice. It's five weeks, and there he is. And you can see in practice he's wearing a big, 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 big thing. He went on the non-football injury list, but now he's practiced. Now, they have 21 days to activate him, the commanders do, uh, or not. We'll see. They have not ruled out Robinson playing this Sunday. How about that? Now, they have another game on Thursday, so maybe Robinson plays in that. I just think it's cool. Uh, I just, you know, he's got a GPS hooked up to him, which is monitoring to see if he's slower. I got to tell you, if you can get shot four times in a leg and, and come back in five weeks and not be slower, you are a freak athlete, and I'm hoping you are, and I bet you are. You're a freak human being, and now by freak, I mean great human being. 
So I am all in on this kid. I hope he comes back. I hope his speed is up to his speed. And I hope he has a monster, monster year. Listen to this. He underwent surgery. Doctors told him there was no structural damage. Three weeks, three weeks ago, he returned to the field for agility week, uh, agility work. That's two weeks after he had been shot. Man, the dude is the king of adversity, he says. I've had adversity my entire life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my God. Anyway, so the commanders, I hope they act, I hope he's capable of being activated. It's a beautiful day, he says, as he tackles blocking dummies at all. And my man here, wow, God bless you, man. Brian Robinson Jr., my new favorite football player. He is. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? I mean, you get shot, you come back. Uh, this is interesting. This is the world we live in. If anything ever defines the world that we live in, it is this. The clown that ran on the football field during the game the other day that Bobby Wagner just trucked. I mean, Bobby Wagner just absolutely did the world a favor and knocked his you-know-what out has filed a lawsuit. He has filed a police report against Bobby Wagner. Good. Hey, anybody can file a police report on anything. This guy, I'm going to read this so I get it right. I don't want him filing a police report on me. He is part of the Berkeley, California-based animal rights group Direct Action Everywhere and was trying to wear raise awareness for a trial involving the alleged theft of pigs from a factory farm. Okay. He did. We're talking about it. I love what Bobby Wagner said. Here's what he said. Yeah, I can't really focus on this. I'm more concerned about the security guard that was hurt trying to chase him. You just got to do what you got to do. And about the guy, he said, well, there are consequences for your actions. Let me tell you something. Put me on the jury. I'll tell you right now, not only am I acquitting if there is not going to be a trial, nobody's ever going to file or, or there's not going to be any, any police, any, any charges against Bobby Wagner. For all we know, he saves uh, an act of domestic terrorism. I would file charges against this guy as a domestic terrorist. I mean, we don't know what was in that flare. We have no idea. We have no idea. Maybe that was poisonous gas. Maybe Bobby Wagner thought it was. Maybe Bobby Wagner thought it was nuclear dust. I don't know if there is such thing, but maybe Bobby Wagner thought that, and maybe Bobby Wagner thought he was saving lives. Good for Bobby Wagner. I would go the other way. If I were the police, I would figure out a way to charge this guy, not with trespassing, but with, as a domestic terrorist. Like, everybody and their mother... Uh, gets charged as a domestic terrorist. It, look at this scene right here. This scene is something out of a European soccer match, this uh, Bel uh, Belgrade, Red Belgrade basketball match. Look at this. This is an American football game. We don't know whether this clown has a bomb in his pants. We don't know whether this guy is shooting poison into the air. What we do know is a guy ran onto the field doing all this, and Bobby Wagner clocked his ass. And I'm all here for it. 
And I'll stay here for it, and I will never leave here for it. So I hope the Santa Clara police do what's right and charge this guy as a domestic terrorist and put him in jail for 10 years. Running onto the field. Stop it, stupid. Just stop it. You know, I've said this before. I've said, and it's not black and white, it, it is, uh, it's not racial, it's probably going to be political. But I've followed this for years. The New York Times says Civil War chatter spiked after Trump announced Mar-a-Lago raid by 3,000%. Yeah, I'm not surprised. People are getting a little tired. I'm not supporting that, not even a little bit. But people are getting a little tired of seeing one-sided I'm not saying to the point of a civil war, but I am saying to the point of what are we doing? Like, seriously, what, what are we doing? Why can't we have unbiased coverage? Why can't we have a country that rewards hard work? Why can't we have a country that supports those that sacrifice, work really hard, and get in a position to do a job and get promoted? Seems like to a lot of people, this has just become one side against the other, and it's fueled by, well, let's be honest, the media. Media hasn't done squat about Epstein's Island. Why? Because I'm guessing a lot of those guys on Epstein Island are friends of the hierarchy, the oligarchy. I say it all the time, and I'm only half kidding. The deep state comes after you. I'm only half kidding. You guys may think I'm kidding. We make a joke of it. Yesterday on my show, our app went out, and immediately guys on my show are like, well, the deep state got Dan again. I believe in that. And if you don't, good for you. But if you don't think the rich protect one another, if you don't think the uber, uber rich aren't in cahoots, then you just haven't been paying attention. And I think I never want to speak for anybody but me, but I do speak for common sense It's just common sense that people eventually just simply get tired of being told one side, of being lied to, of watching president after president have billion-dollar deals. I mean, Martha's Vineyard, you know who lives there? Obama. Obama's never had, he's had one job in his life. You know what that job was? President of the United States. Now, I know he got a book deal. But how do these guys live in these mansions? Trump, at least, was a businessman. You know, we're a little tired of watching gas spike and then having somebody tell us, well, the president isn't responsible for that. And then when the gas goes down, well, the president is responsible for that. Frankly, we're just a little tired of being lied to. I mean, we can handle the truth. I mean, remember when 9-11 happened, CBS said, well, we can't show what actually happened because it's too disturbing. The American people can't handle that. Shut up. telling you, the oligarchy in this country and across the world is nuts. Now, people, you can make fun of me all you want. Good for you. I don't know why normal people would want to protect the rich jags, jags, jags in this country. I don't know why uh, Giselle Maxwell or whatever the hell, Jezeline or whatever her name is, Maxwell, she's in jail. You're telling me she trafficked children to nobody? Now, I think she has uh, about a year to give names or she does her full sentence. But nobody's been sentenced for that. Why do you think that is? Because everybody's rich and everybody protects one another. I remember a good friend of mine, he turned out to be wrong, which is great, said, yeah, Harvey Weinstein won't go to jail. He's too rich. I'm like, wow. 
But I got to tell you, you start raiding political opponents, houses, people are going to see that. People are paying attention. People are getting to the point where it's like enough. Not saying you're right or wrong to do it. I don't know. But I'm not going to be surprised by any, any, any. And the New York Times, the Washington Post, Gannett, Indy Star, all these liberal newspapers, I got to tell you, man, people have had enough. Go If you're on Facebook and you live in Indianapolis, there's an ad, and our, and our friend uh, Greg Doyle is in a bicycle with a basket and a dog. And it's this, he's trying to be like this cute little dog lover. And they're promoting, and it's kind of a bait and switch, they're promoting a dollar by gets you a year of the newspaper. And it's like, well, if you don't cancel, then it goes up. It's one of those kind of deals, which is what newspapers do now. But if you read the comments underneath, if you read the comments underneath about the Indianapolis Star, you will not believe it. You simply won't believe it. Like it's, it's, there's like 300 comments and 299 of them are like, you guys suck. People aren't being fooled. We're not. So I read here, it went up 300 or 3000% talk of a civil war. And I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. I don't want it to happen. I am not advocating for it and I'll sit it out. I don't want to shoot nobody, but I'll tell you this. I did buy a gun. My wife and I, first time ever, we did. We bought a gun. Just in case. I was talking to a police officer the other day, and he said, hey, look, I asked him, I said, should I buy a gun for my house? He goes, absolutely. He goes, look. He goes, you call about a break-in, we don't immediately come. We got to wait for three different kinds of backups. It is what it is. I just wish that we would go back, as Michelle Tafoy and I talked about, just, just be honest. Nobody ups with a Biden. Biden said, okay. Uh, I got my Colts shirt on. You can see it right there. It is Thursday night football. Speaking of guys that have jobs that have no reason to have jobs, that halftime show, that that pregame show is the worst. There's only worse one is, of course, Candace Parker, Rex Chapman, Seth Davis on a set together during college basketball's NCAA tournament. It's amazing to me. Literally the worst I've ever seen. But tonight, you're going to see the, the 1A. I don't know. It's some guy named Whitworth, big old meathead guy. Oh, I played. Okay. Uh, Richard Sherman, who was last seen getting drunk as hell, breaking into family members' house, barely avoided a felony. But he's really smart because <laughs> he went to Stanford. Tony Gonzalez, who looks like he would be, wants to be anywhere other than that. But anyway, so that's the part, that's that part of it. Colts and the Broncos. Here's the deal with the Colts. Colts play well in these kind of games. They do. They play well. You saw it against Kansas City. And they must, they must. This is the game right here. No Jonathan Taylor. Phillip Lindsay, nice story. Cut his bones, made the Pro Bowl as a running back with the Broncos. That's great. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. So now he's activated. He was on the practice squad, and away we go. Great. Awesome. But here's the deal with Philip Lindsay. He's just not good enough. He's not Jonathan Taylor, but Jonathan Taylor hasn't been Jonathan Taylor because, well, frankly, they don't have a very good offensive line. But here's the game. 
and nobody will tell you this. This is the only part of the game that matters. Denver fans want to boo. They also want to cheer. So what are you going to do as the Colts? Are you going to give a team in mile high, in prime time life? Now, what does that mean? Well, that means first possession, boom, 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 down the field, crowd goes nuts. Jerry Jr., very good wide receiver group. Very good. Are you going to give them life, or are you going to squash it right from the get-go? Because this crowd, now Denver's crowds are great. They want to root for their team. But right now, Nathaniel Hackett and the entire Denver football team are being questioned. They're on the wrong side of the media. People are dying, dying to boo Nathaniel Hackett. He got off on the right side. He looks like Mike McCarthy. That makes him a big target. That's the key to this entire game. And oh, by the way, even though they stink, of course there's an article today on like a woman being the operations person of the Broncos. Good. That's great. Broncos stink. And if the Colts don't win this one, well, guess what? The Colts don't win this one. A good friend of mine told me, hey, look, this is a perfect time to fire a coach. You got a full week. It's Thursday night, not Sunday night with a game next Sunday. But I'm going to go back to the game. Colts must, they must, must jump out here. They have to. Of all the games that they're going to play, I'm not saying they can't win the game if they get down three or they get down a touch. I'm not saying that. But In this particular game, jumping out ahead is magnified by 10 because this is an itchy franchise right now that doesn't believe in their head coach, doesn't believe in their quarterback, doesn't believe in their team, and knows that their best players, some of whom are hurt. Now, Shaq Leonard, no consequence being out. EJ Speed's been fine. Jonathan Taylor, consequence. We'll see how big a consequence. But if the Colts get down a couple of scores, this game could be over early. Now, I would also suggest that Russell Wilson is one of my top five guys as an opponent you don't want with the football in a one-score game under two minutes. I don't want, and he may screw it up, but I don't want to give them the opportunity. You got to be up two scores. Get up eight. Up <laughs> nine. I guess eight's one score. Nine. But that's this game. Man, when you have a team that is teetering, I mean teetering, you can't give them life. Last year, Colts, this was the biggest part of the Jacksonville game. Not this year, last year. First possession, Trevor Lawrence looked like Joe Montana. They got belief. You can take belief out of the entire Mile High Stadium tonight if you are the Colts. If the Colts get the toss, I'm taking the ball. I'm going right down the field. Cannot fumble. You're five touchdowns, five interceptions if you're Matt Ryan. You must not fumble. You mustn't. Jerry Jude needs to have a big game. Yes, he is on my fantasy team. I know this, but that isn't why. If you are Denver, your wide receivers are going to have to have big games. Colts run defense pretty good. And I swear to God, and I know you're going to think this is duh, but I swear to God, if you turn the ball over and you are Denver, that's the best shot the Colts have. Colts offense stinks on ice. It stinks. It's the lowest scoring freaking team in football. 14 a game. If you turn it over, you're going to get beat. 
Don't turn it over. Cortland Sutton, pretty good. Jerry Jude, pretty good. Use those guys. All right, we come back. Hammer time is back. I missed Hammer. We're going to talk bets. Don't think that Hammer is just a political freaking god. We're going to talk bets. We're also going to talk, is this press secretary at all useful? I mean, what's going on here? We'll be right back. It's Hammer time, ladies and gentlemen. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Jason Allen Hammer, America's voice. That's right. I said it at Hammer and Nigel, three to seven every day's best radio show in the history of the world. And I'll stand by that statement. We haven't had Hammer time on for a few weeks. I'm very, very glad. And I want to thank you publicly. Uh, You and your midday host, Rob Kendall, have donated to my bikes program on a bet, Docket Cycles for the City. And I got to tell you, it is so appreciated. I can't even begin to uh, tell you how appreciated it is. So thank you, my friend. You're welcome. And I paid you with cash. And I'm not going to lie. My biggest concern was that that money wasn't going to make it to the bike charity, but it was going to go to some sort of Mac 3 team parlay. Yeah, it almost last night uh, went to a uh, golf bet. No, stop it. I walked it across <laughs> the street. I put it in an envelope. I am very sensitive to that. Anyway, let's discuss. Speaking of sensitive and crazy, I got to tell you, um, Joe Biden, is it time to start talking about the health, the cognitive health of our president? Yes, and it needs to be okay to talk about that. Right. Because the number one bit of blowback you get when you talk about Joe Biden is every doctor that's on social media will come at you with, well, are you a doctor? Are you a doctor? No, I'm not a doctor, but I've got two eyes and I've seen family members go through this before and it doesn't end well. We have to stop acting like Joe Biden is okay. It's at the point now to where you expect him to do something dumb. There used to be a point in time to where it was rare if the president did something dumb, but if he did, it was going to be used as campaign fodder. This guy can't stand up. He can't walk upstairs. He can't ride a bike. He doesn't know who's alive or dead. We have to stop acting like this is okay for the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, arguably one of the most powerful people, if not the most powerful man in the world. And He looks like everybody's grandpa that's gone through dementia. I hate to say that, but that's true. And the point for me that was kind of the breaking point was just over a week ago. We've seen the signs, right? The gibberish, the he gets startled, you know, all that kind of stuff. The signs are there. Falling up the stairs of Air Force One, not being able to get up, falling off the bike. But when he called for Jackie Borlorski in a meeting, who had died on October 3rd in a car crash with two of her aides. That was kind of it for me. Now, I get, he was probably reading something off of his paper 
off of his prompter, and one of his aides, who are probably not any good at their jobs, refused or didn't put Jackie Walarski on there. They made the mistake, left the name on there. All right, fine. But just a couple weeks before that, Joe Biden signed a document naming a veterans hospital after the late Representative Walarski. He signed a document. He put his name on it. He talked about the late Jackie Walarski. So you got to tell me that once you read that out loud, wouldn't something trigger in your mind to say, wait a minute, I made a mistake. Jackie Walorski is no longer with us. No, he looked around the room and kept calling on her. He wanted to know why she was not there anymore. Well, she died, Joe. And it's, it's sad. It really is. But this is the president. And I'm sorry, it's time to stop being sympathetic to the old guy's needs. You're the leader of the United States of America. You're the commander in chief. There are families all over this country who have put their children in your hands. They're the military. They're the sons and daughters of the United States military. And you don't know who's alive or dead. This is a problem. And shame on Dr. Jill Biden, his wife, for allowing her husband to go out and go through this. Are you that power hungry? I've told my wife, if I'm still in radio when I'm that old, and I'm on the air, and I'm speaking gibberish, and I'm falling, and everybody's laughing at me, take me off. Don't let me do that. Don't let me humiliate myself. But she's so damn power hungry, and the Democrats are so damn power hungry, they think it's cute to have this guy up there all the time. It's sad, and we have to stop acting like this is okay. You know, a few weeks ago, and this was totally glossed over, he was speaking somewhere, and for whatever the reason, he announced he had cancer. I don't know if you remember that. That was probably six, seven weeks ago. But he actually announced yeah. that he had cancer, and I'm thinking to myself, nobody mentioned it because it's like, ah, it's just Joe. And I'm thinking, no, it's not just Joe. It's the president of freaking United States. Well, the good news, Coach, is he said he's going to cure it. So maybe if he comes down with it, he'll also have the cure. I remember on the campaign trail, he said he was going to cure cancer. I don't know if he's got the antidote sitting in the back in his office. Maybe it's back there with all that Russian collusion evidence that was told that was back there. Uh, but no, this is not OK. Like if the Democrats made the move to eliminate Joe Biden and just say, listen, your fastball is gone. We can't have this anymore. We're going to put President Kamala Harris in. They probably get a boost in popularity and ratings because Kamala Harris, although she's an idiot, too, she checks all the boxes. She's a woman. She's a woman of color. You can do all types of celebrations about glass ceilings being shattered. And you're still getting the same legislation. You're still getting somebody that when they speak doesn't make any sense and puts bad policy forward. It doesn't make any sense not to put Kamala Harris in this position right now. How is Kamala, Kamala Harris African-American when she's half Panamanian and half Indian? Well, it's the same thing with Joe Biden. You know, he's been raised in a Jewish background. He's been raised in a Puerto Rican background. Uh, he used to go to, you know, predominantly black swimming pools and get into fights with corn pop. You know, Joe Biden is a one man village people. He's all those village people put into one person that's got maybe a little bit of dementia going on, too. Oh, man, I got to tell you, a one-man village, people. I think that's awesome. I do. I mean, um, I'm before, just so tired of being nice about it, Coach. I mean, this is our country. My kids live here. I live here. It's the greatest country in the world. And we've got this guy up there that can't even stand up. He doesn't know who's alive or dead. 
I'm not saying some of these other folks are good people because the Republicans got a lot of freaking zeros too. Let's not kid ourselves. But I think they know who's alive and dead. Uh, I'm with you. I, I, I contend that the world's worst dressed woman, Jill Biden, who claims to be a doctor, I assume she is if she claims to be, uh, she got to pull the plug on this. She's not. They love their power. And as Joe Biden said, no one F's with a Biden baby because they got <laughs> the media. <laughs> hey, let me ask you, and this is kind of off uh, track here. Why the, the New York Times, and I want your opinion on this because your opinions are always strong and good. The New York Times I just talked about, it said that talk of a civil war went up 3,000% with the raid of Mar-a-Lago. I've said, look, People are getting tired. I mean, why can't you just tell us the truth? I've got this this press secretary telling us when gas goes down that it's all about the president. When gas goes up, it's more nuanced. I mean, we got some real problems here internally. We do, and it all goes back to the government. The people, you know, we've always been a different group of people, right? They always said the United States was the melting pot. I think you see it more now than you ever have because of the rise of social media. Everybody's got access to a camera. Everybody's got access to video. Everybody's a one-man brand. We just see uh, it a little bit more now. But the people get tired of the government. Uh, I believe it was Ronald Reagan who said, the worst thing you can ever hear is, hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And the people have lost faith in the government because it's become so part uh, over-the-top political and partisan that it's become a problem. And I'm not just talking about the presidency. The presidency is always going to be political. That's how you got the job. I'm talking about the Department of Justice. I'm talking about the FBI. There is very little faith in these departments right now. Because when you look at the major problems in this country right now, whether you want to talk about crime in major cities, whether you want to talk about the border, whether you want to talk about drugs and fentanyl and how fentanyl kills more young men than anything else in this country, um, you're going to tell me that January 6th is what you're going to spend all of your time on? You're going to tell me that our democracy was almost overran by some moron in a Viking hat? I find it hard to believe that the country with the strongest military in the world, even under Joe Biden, would have their democracy threatened by a guy in a ski mask carrying out a podium and some dude that looked like he was dressed up as a Viking for Halloween. Should those people be prosecuted? Absolutely. But is it the biggest problem in this world? Hell no. And it's not even close. And when you see what's going on with the raid of Mar-a-Lago, when you see what's going on with this never-ending January 6th committee, you've got a lot of regular people, people who aren't even political, saying, wait a minute, why are we not talking about the things that are happening in my neighborhood? Things that are happening all over this country, not just in your backyard of Washington, D.C. That's why there's all this talk of civil war, all this chatter of how divided we are. We see certain levels of our government acting like it. This press secretary, I, I've had enough of her. I get it. She's literally in bed with CNN and everything else. But what, what are we doing with this lady? She's bad. She's bad at her job. And I'm not just saying this because somebody will probably tweet at me, oh, you're just some Republican talking point. Rabble, rabble, rabble. No, Jen Psaki was good at her job. Now, I disagreed with a lot of things that Jen Psaki had to say, but her job was to go up there every day and 
basically polish a turd that she's been given from this administration. And she did it well. She came prepared. She had notes. She knew exactly where she wanted to go. And her information was usually correct. You might not like the spin that she would put on things, but that's every press secretary. Jen Psaki was good at her job. Corinne Jean-Pierre has bitten off more than she can chew. And this is what happens when you pick somebody based off of the amount of boxes that they check. She wasn't picked because she was the best candidate for the job. No, they wanted to look diverse. They had to play the equity card. She's a woman. She's bisexual. She's black. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be great. Yeah, she's also bad at her job. You watch these press briefings in the White House every day, and I do because I hate myself. She's not qualified to do these things. She's not. Now, I don't know who they've got back there that would be any better. It's my understanding that this isn't a group of well-polished politicians that are running the Biden administration. It's basically Klain, Susan Rice, and a couple of other Obama lackeys. But this is bad. Like, if you're a Democrat, you are looking at Jen Psaki going, please, please come back. We need you. Watch a briefing with Kareem. Watch how her main answer is, I'll get back to you. We don't have anything on that right now. She doesn't know anything. The most of the questions she doesn't know the answer to, she's not going to get back with you, or Saki would say, circle back. It's She's there because she checks the boxes off. Sometimes her information is wrong. And that snarky attitude she had the other day, going back to when Jackie Walorski, the congresswoman, uh, had passed away and Joe Biden wondered where she was at in a meeting. The way she treated the press was really interesting to me because for the first time, I saw the press pool in the White House fight back against her. And it wasn't just Ducey of Fox. This was a lot of folks. You watch that video, they're all going at her. And at one point, she breaks. They broke Corrine Jean-Pierre. She sat there, she kind of just eyes rolled, had her head down a little bit. It was actually refreshing to see an act of journalism from the White House press pool they weren't acting like cheerleaders for the administration. They wanted some answers, and what they were getting wasn't good enough. I was actually impressed that they fought back. You know, I, I said that. It had to feel good for reporters at the New York Times and the Washington Post to actually not be lackeys. It had to feel good for one day. Reporters right. from those places actually had a set on them. 100%. And think about what it was like when the big bad orange man was in there and it was Sarah Sanders or Kayla McEnany doing these briefings, everybody wanted to stand up and it wasn't a question. It was a monologue, right? Uh, you had this guy from Playboy, Brian Karam. He wanted to do monologues. He wants a show. You had Acosta from CNN. He was auditioning for a show. Every time they stood up, it was political theater. You didn't get that uh, with the Biden briefings and you certainly didn't get it under Jen Psaki. But now, this ridiculousness coming out of Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre, you're finally starting to see some folks, whether it be CBS, ABC, whoever it is, say, wait a minute, our integrity is at stake here. I get, you know, we're probably in bed with your political side here, but you're making us look bad if we don't clap back and we don't respond to some of the bull crap coming out of your mouth. That's exactly right. I mean, if you sat there and did nothing, you are even worse than you are on a daily basis, which I don't know if that's possible. What is the city of Jacksonville doing about Halloween? What are we doing here? So this is some legal stuff happening in Jacksonville. 
So they had a law in place that if you are a registered sex offender, you have to put a sign in your yard that says kids cannot trick or treat there. That was a law that was put into place back in 2010. Well, since then, this law has been challenged by a number of different lawyers, and it's being challenged again. So while this is in the process of being challenged in the court system, the city of Jacksonville has said that we're going to keep the law in place, but we're not going to enforce it. So basically, kids in Jacksonville and all of Duval County down in Florida on Halloween you could be going up to a sex offender's house, knocking on the door, asking for candy. They might not have their sign on there, but the city has said they're not going to prosecute. They're not going to go after this. They're not going to look into it. They're just going to allow it. This is kind of similar to what's happening with weed around the country. I know here in Indianapolis, weed is technically still illegal, but the prosecutor has came out and said, look, if you get busted with a little bit of weed, we're not going to prosecute you. You know, just here, don't do it again. Be on your way. But this is a little bit different. This is kids. This is sex offenders. And it's Halloween. So this is probably something that if I lived in Florida, I would have a problem with. But the lawyers involved claimed that it was not constitutional to make these sex offenders have to put this sign in their yard. They claimed that registering as a sex offender was enough. So while this plays out in the legal system here, uh, they do not have to put those signs in their yard. Hey, I want to go back to something. Uh, the prosecutor in Indianapolis, I played golf the other day with a commander uh, in the Indianapolis police force, and he said this prosecutor is literally killing people for politics, literally killing people. His policies of letting people out, his policies of selective enforcement, not prosecuting major crimes is literally killing people. And this guy probably is going to win re-election. I don't, the world is crazy, man. Indianapolis is a very blue city. Indiana's a red state, but Indianapolis is a very blue city. It's almost a four to one Democrat to Republican voter registration ratio. So this prosecutor, guy by the name of Ryan Mears, who was not elected, mind you, he was appointed. He replaced the guy who died in office of cancer. Uh, he wants Indianapolis to be like Seattle. He wants Indianapolis to be San Francisco and Portland. And, oh, just slap an ankle monitor on somebody. They're going to be fine. doesn't matter their crime. Indianapolis has more ankle monitors on people than any other city in America. And I'm not talking about per capita. I'm talking about actual numbers. More people have ankle monitors on in Indianapolis than Chicago, than New York City, and Los Angeles. And, you know, on my radio program, we talk about this a lot, the revolving door of the criminal justice system. There are some really violent people getting out, getting slapped with monitors, and committing violent crimes again. We've had story after story of people who have been charged with previous killings. There was one guy that had almost 30 previous felonies. There was a red flag law that was ignored that caused a mass shooting at a FedEx facility. All of this falls at the feet of this current prosecutor. But because everybody just goes in and votes by party, this clown is probably going to get reelected in Indianapolis. Man, I mean, this guy, wow. I mean, the level of awfulness, at least according to people that are involved in this on a day-to-day -day basis, is just stunning to me. This isn't a political side taking on a guy on a different political side. This is just 
the facts of right. the matter, man. It, that, it and, is and Coach, insane. here's the thing. Hey, Colts- the previous prosecutor, the guy that had passed away, was a Democrat. It was a guy by the name of Terry Curry. The Fraternal Order of Police in Indianapolis endorsed Democrat Terry Curry because they thought he did a good job with crime. So it's not like this is some sort of political thing here. The political angle now is that the Fraternal Order of Police in Indiana has hitched their wagon to the challenger, the Republican, Cindy Carrasco. And I hear this current prosecutor saying, well, it's all about politics. It's all about politics. Uh, Republicans and law enforcement, they kiss each other's butt all the time. This is not true because the previous prosecutor was endorsed by the FOP in Indiana because he did a good job. You might not like his politics, but he did a good job when it came to violent crime. This guy who wants Indy to be San Francisco is a joke. And if he wins re-election, this is going to be bad for the city of Indianapolis. Yeah, people are going to die that, that needlessly. And again, that's still not coming from me. That's coming from a police commander with the I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Indianapolis Police Department. Colts go tonight, big boy. Colts getting three and a half. What do you got? So speaking of the police, I'm going to make so much money tonight, Coach, I'm going to be above the law. I'm going to make above the law kind of money on this game tonight. Listen, Thursday nights, I get everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid of the Broncos. Thursday night, the unders usually are in play here. Everybody seems to be going Broncos and under. The numbers clearly show that short weeks, unders are in play. Primetime unders this year have been a big deal. But I'm looking at all those major casinos and resorts on the Las Vegas Strip. The Bellagio did not build itself based off the public being right. So I'm giving you a little misdirection here. I like the Colts with the points, and the total is so low, I think I'm going over tonight too. Look, I don't know if the Colts win the game tonight, but three and a half feels like an awful lot for a Broncos team that I'm not confident can blow anybody out. I think the Colts just hang around tonight. There's a lot of pressure on this Colts team right now. Uh, Jim Mersey is not happy, and I think we're this close away from major changes happening if the ship isn't righted. So you're going to have a pretty solid effort from the Colts tonight. Again, Denver's a tough place to play, but three and a half. The hook is the key here. I like the Colts in this spot. The total is way too low. I'm going to go above that. And if you're looking for some player props, look at the receiving numbers. Number of receptions for Naheem Hines. He's starting for Jonathan Taylor tonight. Taylor's out. Hines is going to get a lot more snaps. He's going to not only catch some balls lining up in the slot position, but Jonathan Taylor was good for catching two or three balls a game as a back. The line is three and a half, I believe. We're going over on the number of receptions for Naheem Hines tonight as well. I looked at Naheem Hines earlier today. The over-under for yards is 27 and a half receiving yards. I kind of like that, too. I... <clears throat> Frank Reich, way back, and I mean way back, it seems like now, it was probably just the middle of uh, August, said that, oh, man, if you got a fantasy team, you better pick Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines didn't touch the ball first half. I always think Frank and the fellas pay attention to those type things. I'm not mad at Naheem Hines at 27 and a half yards. I like that pick. And you know who else has noticed that Naheem Hines isn't getting the ball? Naheem Hines, he's actually been chirping yes. a little bit this past week, and I like it. I'm not mad at that at all. 
Um, Colts team's a mess right now. The overpriced, overhyped, uh, overpaid offensive line can't keep Matt Ryan upright. And the few times that Matt Ryan does have times, he's missing his receiver. He leads the league in fumbles right now. The Colts can't be this bad this long. So that's why I like them to hang around tonight. Uh, This is the type of game the Colts usually play well in. That's that's my analysis as well, and it's so stupid. The Colts can't it be is. this bad that this long. I just keep saying that, Hammer. You can't be this freaking bad this long. It's six games. One, four, and one. You can't be that bad that long. You know what? We'll find out tonight. But, uh, again, I don't need the Colts to win. I need them to hang around. And I like this hook. I like getting three and a half. I think the total is too low. Hines is my guide tonight. We're going to make so much money. We're going to have the finest wines, the finest cheeses. We're going to go to any buffet we want in America. If you can still find one open, and we're going to embarrass ourselves with our riches tonight, Coach. We're going to fund the damn police. Yes, we are. You're damn right we are. That's what we're doing with our winnings tonight. You hear that, Corey Bush? You hear that, Ilhan Omar? With our Colts winnings tonight, we're funding the police. It's a fun the police with our richest <laughs> night tonight. After, by the way, we have some good wine, okay? After. A little bit of right, good wine. Right. And then we fund the police. <laughs> <laughs> Three to seven, Hammer and Nigel on 93.1 WIBC, my friend. Great to have you back. Thanks for the energy and the time today. You got it, brother. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm with him. I say to Colts, this is one of those games that Colts play well. Colts are weird. You saw it against uh, uh, the Chiefs. Don't tell me if the guy doesn't get a penalty to Colts lose. Maybe so, but they would still have covered. Now, three and a half is sweet. 42 is not enough, and I'll take Naheem Hines today, tomorrow, or the next day. I got some people that just need to shut up. I got all kinds of awards here. I got an ah, never mind award. I got a what happened to it? Award. I got some DAM, don't at me awards coming up here in a little bit. Don't at me, damn, awards. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You, uh, Twitter's giving us trouble today, and we're going to throw hands with Twitter. Come on, let's go, Elon. Buy it, straighten it out, and let's get serious. All right, it's the damn awards. <laughs> I got a little something-something stuck right in there. (laughs) Excuse me. I don't know what the heck happened right there. I don't embarrass easy. This is not whiskey. This is uh, iced tea. All right, let's go. Damn awards. Best name ever. Like, we have seen some names. I am hip was a running back back in the day. I am hip played for Nebraska. Sham God, 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 Sham God. Look, all you got to do is go uh, to what? Key and Peel, and you'll see some of the greatest names ever. But there has never been a name better than this name. See that guy right there? His name is Stevie Ho You Fat. <laughs> I got to tell you, Stevie Ho You Fat. Now, That seems to be, I don't know, 
offensive. Stevie isn't offensive. Ho? Are you allowed to say, ho, you fat? Hey, ho, you fat. That's what it sounds like to me. I think we should be angry. I do. I think we should all get nasty. Uh, Barstool Sports saying, hearing, ho, you fat for three every game is worth the price of an NBA roster spot alone. I think he's right. Stevie, ho, you fat. Do yourself a favor. Go to Key and Peele and look at their introductions. (laughs) It's hilarious. And even they wouldn't put Stevie, ho, you fat on an introduction. They would never imagine that that would be, but there he is. Stevie. Ho, you fat. So, hey, look, if you're looking for something fun, if you're looking for somebody that, uh, well, I don't know, uh, you want to name your kid after, go with Stevie Ho, you fat. He is a professional basketball player in France where the Ho, you fat's family business controls shipping at the port of Cayenne. His paternal grandfather, I'm reading this here, it could be wrong, don't know. His paternal grandfather was an immigrant from China. Ho Yu Fat began his career uh, basketball in 2008, had an exhibition game, that's where this came from, (laughs) there we go, against the G League at night, and he went viral. There you go. It says here, Ho Yu Fat went viral due to his last name, which resembles... An insulting slang phrase in English. Ho, you fat. (laughs) If I don't die right here from a little piece of... (laughs) That's why professional broadcasters don't eat in between segments. But I was getting a little lightheaded. Double D needed something to eat. All right, let's hear it from New York. You ready? It's a wrap. No one is touching the Mets. Tweet me the hate all you want about the Jinx. Nonsense. The Mets will be National League Eastern Division champs, and I don't even think the Braves are going to challenge them. The Phils, please, you've seen them. I won't even mention the other two teams. No one else is 500. What are you worried about, Mets fans? The West Coast trip? Yeah, okay. The Mets are only going to get better, and even if the Braves do turn around, it will be too late. Uh, this is some idiot named Sal Licata who is like, if you ever, just that picture right there. <clears throat> if you ever wanted to see a New York D-bag, there you go. By the way, the Mets didn't win the division. By the way, this was on May 31st. When this idiot started going all New York, yelling and screaming. But look at that face right there. They call them lids. Long Island douchebags. My wife coached some. I never heard that phrase before. And I don't know whether this guy's from Long Island or not. But Salicata went into one of the, well, if I'm louder than you, if I yell and scream at you, then I am right and you are wrong. And this idiot turned out to be wrong. Some guy named Tyler Matzik basically said, now the East is over. He plays for the Braves. And by the way, the Braves did beat the Mets, came back from 10 games down, got hot. Mets did what the Mets normally do, crapped the bed. And Sal Licata, uh, I'm assuming, uh, well, he's probably still being Sal Licata. 
So good for him. I don't know Sal Licata, but everybody knows this guy. I, I don't know him, but we all know this guy. This guy is a caricature of New York talk radio. This guy is a caricature of New York, and I like it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying to be critical of Sal here, even though it sounds like it. I like it. I like when people give and get opinions. I like when people are loud. I am not afraid, nor do I ever shy away from being loud. And by the way, the the Colts are going to win tonight. I don't want to hear it, all you Broncos fans. Uh, Peyton Manning is not walking through that door for either team, by the way. I don't know. You know, what do I know? But this guy is a host of, uh, let's see, Baseball Night in New York, 6 o'clock on SNY and WFAN Fan Overnight. Don't follow lead. Yeah. But again, we all know this guy. We all know him. We've all seen him. We've all heard him. We've all gotten to listen to him. And you know what? I give Sal credit, man. He's been a good sport about it. (coughs) He took his medicine. He's not hacking up a lung. I like Sal Licata. I was critical early, but I like him. The more I think about it, the more I like him. We've got too many milk toast guys, too many guys that are afraid to step up and have an opinion. Hey, can we play Sally again? I like it. Salicata, you are the man. Let's get Salicata on the show. Nah, let's not. But I ain't mad at it. It's a wrap. No one is touching the Mets. Tweet me the hate all you want about the Jinx. Nonsense. The Mets will be National League Eastern Division champs, and I don't even think the Braves are going to challenge them. The Phils, please, you've seen them. I won't even mention the other two teams. No one else is 500. What are you worried about, Mets fans? The West Coast trip? Yeah, okay. The Mets are only going to get better, and even if the Braves do turn around, it will be too late. Well, it wasn't. And you know what? I like the fact. (laughs) I don't know what's going on here. I'm trying. Here. Hold on. (sighs) Say whatever you'd like. I like Salicata. All right. Ah, never mind. Never mind. Remember when Cole Beasley came back? A couple weeks ago, Cole Beasley, literally two weeks ago, Cole Beasley came back to football. And it was a big deal because, well, all the little writer boys and girls, well, frankly, they lost their minds on Cole Beasley and others, Carson Wentz included, because they didn't get vaccinated. Oh, my God, you're bad teammate, you're bad this, you're bad that, you're bad everything. Well, Cole Beasley, pretty good player. <clears throat> he signed with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cole Beasley caught a pass. In his two weeks back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Cole Beasley the other day said, ah, screw it, I'm done. I'm going back to my rap career. And I got to tell you, I don't blame you. Maybe Cole Beasley just needed a quick paycheck. Maybe Cole Beasley needed something to do for a few days. Maybe Cole Beasley just wanted to get out of his house. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with what Cole Beasley did. It's time for me to retire and become a full-time husband and dad. I don't know. Looks like to me that Cole Beasley did what Cole Beasley wants to do. And the fact of the matter is, Cole Beasley was a hell of a player, and when he did retire, and this is back, I think, in, oh, I don't know, March, the uh, Buffalo Bills did a really nice tribute to him. 
<clears throat> on how he helped change the franchise around. How gross was that right there? Seriously, right there. Mom, if you're watching, I apologize. My mom watches all the time, and, and if she's watching, no. But anyway, so Cole Beasley retires. Ah, forget about it. I was going to play. It didn't work out. We'll move on. Can somebody tell me what happened to this? Do you remember this summer when Nick Saban, in front of all his cronies trying to raise money for NIL, talked about Texas A&M and how they, quote, bought their entire recruiting class? And then Jimbo Fisher said that his dad should have smacked Nick Saban, and then Nick Saban said, well, I wasn't really talking about one team. I shouldn't have talked about him. I mean, it was going to be the absolute story of college football. We were going to talk about this forever. This was going to be, oh, I don't know, the biggest story in the history of football for a while. The first time the NIL comes into play. The first time the NIL comes in with controversy, teams are alleging that other teams are, quote, buying their entire recruiting classes. Guys are blanked off. (laughs) Guys are like, this can't be happening. We shan't have this. I haven't heard a word about it. I'm looking, I'm scrolling, I'm thinking, I'm doing. I have not heard one single word about it. Not one. What happened? What happened to it? I don't know. It's gone. It's not here. <clears throat> when I talk about college football, no, somebody was asked about it, and they said, yeah, we're good friends now. And I believe it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why do I believe it? Dockage, you're really stupid. You don't really believe it. No, I do, because I live in a world of men. I live in a world where if you criticize one another, you go back at one another, and there's no hard feelings. I live in a world where men can actually criticize and still be okay. This weekend, uh, Saturday night, it is Alabama taking on Texas A&M. Really, this should be the biggest game of the weekend. This should be the game everybody's talking about. These two guys, maybe the most highly paid, both of them, certainly in the top five, most visible coaches. It goes to show you how much winning matters. You know, Jimbo Fisher isn't interesting anymore because his team keeps losing. Nick Saban is always interesting. I love when Nick Saban goes at the media, but this has no juice. Is the media scared to blank off two middle-aged, older, adult, white males? Seems like that's the target audience for blanking people off. Seems like that's the target audience for going after them. Can't go after others. Look at these two guys. Rich, older, white males. How is nobody going at these two? How is this not even a story? What the heck happened here? This was supposed to be the story of the century. It was what blew wide open. N-I-L. Nothing. Crickets. Why? Is winning that important? I think it is. I think if Jimbo Fisher's team hadn't lost like every game over the last few weeks, maybe this would be more interesting, but nary a word. It's in the past. They both are done with it. Nary a word. 
I assume on the broadcast they'll talk about it. But I look around and I go, what? This was supposed to be it. Oh, man. I can't wait till these two get after each other. October 8th. It's going to be the craziest thing. All right. Is it? I guess. Seems like. But it hasn't. Weird. Very, very, very weird. I don't like it. I like angst. I like honesty. Look, the NIL, name, image, and likeness, was supposed to be once you get to college, uh, you can get money. Now, as Nick Saban so adroitly said, now it's about, quote, buying entire recruiting classes, as Jimbo Fisher was alleged to have done. I don't know whether he did it or not. I'm just telling you what the two said, and we're not even talking about it. Speaking of honesty, may I? May I give this to you, Tyreek Hill, who is a bastion of honesty. Why, Tyreek, are you a dolphin? Why are you not a jet? Well, the answer is simple. State taxes. Now, those of us that live in in cities and states where they actually tax you, not great. Particularly when you can live in Florida where there is no state tax. The state income tax rates are 4, 4 5, 5.2, 5.9, 6.3, listen to this, 6.85, 9.65, 10.3, and 10.9. Depends on your taxable income and filing status. You can be taxed up to 11% of your income by the state of New York, 11%. Now, let's just say for the sake of argument, you go 10%, that's $100,000 on a million that you don't have to pay when you're in Florida. Why am I doing this show in Indianapolis? Why aren't I doing this show in Florida? I have no idea. Somebody please help me, but I like the honesty. The honesty is awesome. Hey, man, let me tell you something. You think I'm going to give up? That's why you guys can tell me how great it is to play basketball in New York. All I ever hear is how, well, if you're going to play basketball, you got to play in the garden. You got to play for the Knicks. You what? Has there ever been a guy, I want you to think about this. Has there ever been a guy that's played for the Knicks? The Knicks. The Knicks that has a national presence in terms of commercial Q rating. Q rating is the rating that companies give athletes, celebrities, endorsers on how popular they are. You tell me Patrick Ewing, Crispus Porzingis, R.J. Barrett? New York is where careers, at least with the Knicks, go to die. So everybody always says, well, you got to do it in New York. Tariq Hill says, why do I got to do it in New York and pay 11% on my money? 10.9. Are you crazy? I don't have to pay anything on my money in Florida. Now, I'm sure somebody said, well, they'll get you in other ways. Maybe, but they ain't getting me at 11% on state income tax. I like honesty. You know what I got right there? Real honesty. And I want you to think about it because everybody always says, like, if you go to Madison Square Garden, 
all right? Or you go play for the Jets or the Giants. You know where they play? In New Jersey, in the Meadowlands, in a former swamp. So let me ask you a question. I go play in New York, all right? Where am I living? What, am I living next to Tony Soprano in Jersey? State tax ain't great there either. Where, where am I living? How am I getting to Madison Square Garden if I play for the Knicks? I'm living in Westchester. Practice facility is in Westchester. New York City's here. Where am I living? Do I have to have an apartment in the city at $5 million a month and a place out in Westchester so I can stay night before games? I'm telling you, these are the things that smart athletes think about. Now, notice I said smart athletes. Smart athletes. I didn't say just athletes. Seriously, I didn't. I said smart athletes. Everybody else is going to go, oh, man, I want to play in New York City. Really? Where are you living? I've talked to coaches of the Knicks. I've talked to players. I've talked to so many people about how miserable it is. So Tyreek Hill gets no state tax. Tyreek Hill gets to go play with a quarterback. Apparently he's pretty good. He's not getting his head bashed in. And Tyreek Hill, ladies and gentlemen, can live on the beach. Huh. You know where the Pacers practice facility is? Right across the street from Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Do you want to live downtown? Walk to the game. Get about 18000 there a night. This is the real NFL, NBA. This is the real part of it. The other stuff is just fans. Oh, man, if you can't play in the garden. Really? You been in the garden? Garden's a dump. I'm just saying the garden's a dump. Hey, Dan, give me your bets tonight. Colts taking on the Broncos. I'll give you mine. I'm betting too much money on the Colts. I am. I just did on DraftKings right here. I did. I bet too much money on the Colts, and then I bet too much money on Naheem Hines, over 27 and a half yards receiving. Naheem Hines is going to get the football. Jonathan Taylor's out. If Naheem Hines doesn't get the football tonight, then the coach should be fired tomorrow, and they lose. The coach should be fired tomorrow, and I am legitimately the last guy that ever wants a coach fired. I'm just telling you. So when you watch the game tonight, take the Colts three and a half. The line will probably go down because people are going to realize, wait a second here, Jonathan Taylor hasn't ran for much other than in one game. The Broncos stink, but the key to the game is simply this. The key to the game, ladies and gentlemen, is if the Colts can make everybody in that building silent or angry. Because very rarely, you're going to see a great crowd to start with, but very rarely is a fan base and a team on edge. Which way is it going to go? The media, national and local, has been killing Nathaniel Hackett. I think Nathaniel Hackett is a genius for realizing what he doesn't know and bringing in a clock managing guy. I think it's genius. I do. So now they're all over Russell Wilson. Now you can be all over Russell Wilson all you'd like, 
But I got to tell you, if Russell Wilson gets the football two minutes to go in a one-score game, I'll take Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. You can have the rest, and I'm sure there's really good ones. But I put Russell Wilson in that category. But the Colts have got to make this entire city, both the fans and the players, start questioning themselves because they're dying too. They are absolutely dying to question themselves. They are absolutely dying to find a reason to lose. The fans included. Remember game two, I think it was, where the fans started counting down the play clock because of their distrust of the offensive staff and the head coach to understand, and the quarterback to understand the play clock? When Russell Wilson came there with his superstar wife, it was supposed to elevate the franchise, and it may. And this is a big game tonight because, let's be honest, the Colts aren't very good. They're scoring 14 points a game, and their best weapon is out. So if you're looking at it from a Denver side, yes, I know their best weapon is out as well. Their running back is out. Fine. But the truth of the matter is, and Randy Gregory is out, they're outstanding, albeit troubled, defensive star. He's out. Okay. Shaq Leonard for the Colts is out. Their defensive stud. He is not troubled. He just gets hurt all the time because he's light in the booty and he plays in the middle. If he played outside linebacker, NFL folks tell me he would never get hurt or not get hurt as much. It would only be a fluke. Now he is a hurt waiting to happen. And he's hurt and he's out. So it's going to be an interesting game. I can't wait. 8-15 tonight. I will be sitting right here. A little bit of hiatus tequila. Enjoying. Don't bother me either. Uh, did I mention DraftKings? I think that I did. Well, guess what? I did. I went to DraftKings last weekend. I hit an $1,800 parlay. I'm planning on doing it again. There you see it. Bet $5 to get 200 in free bets. New customers signing up. Take the 200 in free bets. Put it on the Colts three and a half. And I don't want to hear about it if you lose. If you want everything, go right there, outkick.com slash bets. That covers everything. They'll take you right to all the links. They'll give you all the information. You can do no wrong right there, outkick.com slash bets. There it is. Uh, You know, 1981, I'm walking into Assembly Hall. Out walks the stud quarterback, Babe Laufenberg. I had never met him. I didn't know my backside from third base. He was really nice to me. Why do I remember that? I got no idea. But I got to tell you, it impacted me. It did. It impacted me. It made me be nice to people every time I saw them in the uh, hallways of Assembly Hall. True story. Like if I saw somebody in the hallway of Assembly Hall, they had these lobbies, one on the north side, one on the south side. I always gave them a tour. Come on, I'll take you in the locker room. Come on, I'll show you Coach Knight's office. And I think it was because of Babe Laufenberg. Now, Babe Laufenberg played in the NFL. Babe Laufenberg is an Emmy Award-winning Dallas Cowboys radio analyst. He's terrific. He's been the sportscaster of the year three times in the great state of Texas. That's a lot of sportscasters in Texas. I'm not going to lie to you. Babe Laufenberg knows more about the Dallas Cowboys situation than anything, anything, so, huh. we need our 
Twitter fixed. It is not. But we're going to talk to Babe Laufenberg coming up here, and we're going to get to the bottom of all these things, Dallas Cowboys. That's right. We are. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, I don't, I don't mean to insult people by how old we are, but his guy's <laughs> older than me. I, you know, hey, babe, I swear to God, you don't remember it. I, don't, I was telling my wife this morning, I don't know why. Um, you guys used to practice at Memorial Stadium, and then you would trudge over to Assembly Hall before, and, and I just, I met you one time, and you were so nice to me, and I swear to God, I remember it like it was yesterday. I don't know why, and I think I've told you this before. I can't remember, but because of you being nice to me in the lobby at Assembly Hall, I swear to God, I would always, when I saw somebody in the lobby, when I, I coached there for 16 years, I was always nice to them and took them on tours Like I would say, hey, what are you guys doing? You want to go see the locker room? You want to go see? Because you were nice to me. I'm telling you, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know you. I've never talked to you, but maybe once. But you had an impact on me when I was a freshman and you were a senior. Very weird. Very weird. Well, that, that, that honestly is nice to hear. And I will tell you, my mom used to always say, takes just as much time to be nice to someone as it does to mean. Now, I will tell you this, Dan. Uh, I knew you were a top-flight basketball player. I knew tickets were hard to get at Assembly Hall for Indiana University basketball. So I wanted to be nice to you. So down the road, if I said, hey, Dan, remember me? I get that. I got I got that a lot. I, I got, you know, I do. My mom used to say it's just as easy to marry a rich girl as it is a poor girl, and I didn't take her advice. Yeah, you know, we, we take our parents' advice, but on the most important stuff, it goes one ear and out the other. But I, I, w- I was right there with you, my man. <laughs> hey, uh, three-time broadcaster of the year in Texas. And those of you that don't know, he is, I consider, I listen, Brad Sham, uh, I've talked to a number of times, and I actually listen to your guys' radio calls because I like, I like listening to radio when I watch the NFL. I just do. Um, but I got to ask you, do, do we have a quarterback controversy in Dallas? Is there any possible way? Uh, I don't think so. And, and there have been a number of times where that has come up. Obviously, uh, Dak Prescott, right? Uh, he was kind of filling in for Tony Romo until he went like 11-1. and one And <laughs> they'd won uh, 10 straight games. And uh, when Tony came back, Dak had taken that job. I, I don't see the same situation with Dak and Cooper Rush now, but uh, I'll be the first to tell you, Cooper Rush is doing a, a heck of a job. I mean, he I, I hate to use the word bus driver because it, it just sounds so pedestrian because uh, he is not missing throws. When there are big throws to be made and guys are open, uh, he's hit them all. And uh, last week against Washington, great example of that. He got C.D. Lamb on a little skinny post on the right side. They kind of schemed it up. And there's an old saying in, in professional football, you can't miss touchdowns because you don't get an opportunity. Uh, in college ball, guys open by five yards. Next play, he's still open by five yards. You know, in the NFL, it, it, hit, it hits right about three or four times a game, and, and you got to deliver. And honestly, Cooper Rush has done that almost each and every time. What, what was the deal with Jerry Jones cutting him and, and everybody that was a quarterback uh, other than Dak? What was that about? When you say cutting him, I'm sorry. 
Uh, did, before the season, Jerry Jones cut Cooper Rush oh. and basically all the quarterbacks except for Dak Prescott. You had a real opportunity, correct me if I'm wrong, to lose him because once you cut somebody, the other teams can pick him up. What was that about? Yeah, that was just really a procedural thing, and they they knew that when they released uh, Cooper, he, he'd be coming back to them. Uh, obviously, they're not going to release a Zach Martin <laughs> – thinking, well, nobody will, right. nobody will pick them up. But uh, there's always a little quid pro quo going on in those situations, and it's really just roster manipulation. Uh, Michael Gallup, for instance, the wide receiver who just came back last week against Washington for the first time this season, uh, they kept him on the active roster knowing that he wasn't going to play in the first couple of games. And, it, again, it was really just procedural. It wasn't a situation where they were ready to lose Cooper. They, they knew – they, they put them out there on waiver. They did the same thing with their long snapper. They did the same thing with their third QB, Will Greer, and, and all with the assumption that they would be brought back on. Once again, they went through the procedural of the 53 at the start of the season. How, how good in your mind is this Cowboys team? Well, their defense is great. <laughs> I think I think we could all uh, see that, if you will, and, and the most important, Impressive thing, they have gone from allowing 19 to Tampa Bay to then coming back and allowing 17 to Cincinnati. So you've got Tom Brady and Joe Burrow coming in back-to-back weeks. They allowed 19, 17 points there, Uh, then 16 to the New York Giants, and then 10 last week to Washington. So we've gone 19, 17, 16, 10. And so not only have they been playing great, they're trending downward in terms of points allowed. Now, uh, do I see them holding the Rams to seven? That could be a difficult proposition, although, uh, as we all know, and we all saw probably on Monday night, uh, Rams offense is definitely struggling. Babe, I, I'm watching different teams, and I know you mentioned, you know, Zach Martin, Zach's from here. You know, right. everybody loves – I'm watching – so many teams are having trouble protecting the quarterback – is, is in your mind this uh, – l- let me go through some possible reasons. One, defensive schemes are great. Two, defensive players are athletes. Maybe holding calls limit offensive players. But here in Indianapolis, we've got the highest paid line. They can't block anybody, run or pass. What's your thought on pass protection? What's your thought on offensive lines thus far? Well, it's real difficult to get offensive linemen, and it's funny because um, – Everybody is very parochial in their thinking, right? We all look at our team and say, ah, gosh. I'm here with Dallas. They were concerned about who's going to be the swing tackle. And I was like, there's teams that don't have two good offensive linemen, and you're sitting here worried about swing tackle. But, you know, they had Zach Martin at the time. They had Tyron Smith. They had uh, Travis Frederick at center, these pro bowlers. And I said, listen to yourself. You're worried about the swing tackle. And you're worried about the seventh <laughs> offensive lineman. This teams don't have five. And one thing that has, has rang true, Dan, and I don't know if it's been throughout the history of football, but I'll go to a friend's sixth, you know, their son's sixth grade game, the eighth grade game, the freshman football, varsity football. Just go up and down the, the ladder, and they will say, you know, our quarterback's good and our running back's good, but our offensive line isn't real good. Uh, and I just said, hey, Get used to that because you get to the NFL and you're still looking for five good linemen. So there's no question. Schemes have been a lot more difficult. They hit you a, a variety of different ways. I, I'm i looking at this game. Obviously, I do the games, as you mentioned, for Dallas Cowboys radio. And you're looking at Aaron Donald on that side. And they're 
Iran for trying to figure out how they're going to Mike Parsons. So that list goes on and on. These these athletes on defense are just really exceptional, and they become very difficult to block. 20, 30 years ago, you didn't have to contend with a Micah Parsons, a guy running four four five at 250 pounds. Now you do. Yeah, my dog doesn't even like the offensive line. I don't, you know, I, he, she's barking sitting here. I, you know, I got to get into something here. I, I worked at ESPN for 10 years. I got to know people on all kinds. And even, not the guys on TV, but even guys that were producers and guys that did college basketball got kind of disgusted with their own networks. I, I don't know. Um, What's the right word? Uh, obsession with firing Mike McCarthy. Like, and I'm talking about in March and April. Like, a friend of mine, Seth Greenberg, was on my radio show, and he's like, yeah, I think our I think our network fired Mike McCarthy today, and it's been eight weeks since he's lost a game. I mean, <laughs> the dude has won a Super Bowl, right? I mean, what's what's this about? Well, I, I think it's two things. One, the owner certainly flan, fanned the flames after the playoff loss to San Francisco last year, which, by the way, I felt like San Francisco was the better team. Uh, I thought that going in. I certainly certainly thought that going out. And San Francisco was a play away from being in the you know Super Bowl uh, this past year. And so I, I didn't see that as the upset that maybe some did. So that started it when the owner kind of called into question, will Mike McCarthy be back? And the other part of it was Sean Payton leaving New Orleans. And there's always been a love affair here with Sean Payton. Sean Payton coached under Bill Parcells. He was the quarterback's coach. Uh, then he, you know, he obviously went to the New Orleans Saints from Dallas as, as a head coach and had great success there. Uh, everybody loves him, loves the offense, loves all that. So Sean Payton, as long as Sean Payton is out there doing TV and not coaching, uh, that's always going to be in the background of this discussion with Mike McCarthy. You can make the argument he's coach of the year through four games, can't you? Well, I think when you're doing it with a free agent backup quarterback that virtually has never played, Cooper Rush had one start last year against Minnesota, uh, you're doing something right. And uh, it's interesting because everybody was giving credit last year when they were hot early to the coordinators, as they should. Kellen Moore, there's going to be 10 teams after him. The offensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator. Uh, the team that doesn't sign Kellen Moore will sign Dan Quinn. <laughs> so then the last seven games didn't turn out the, quite right. And so all of a sudden they, they were interviewing for jobs, but they weren't the hot commodity that they were at the beginning of the season. This year, I think at this point, as we sit here talking today, I think it's turned a little bit to where people are now maybe begrudgingly acknowledging that Mike McCarthy himself, the head coach, has done a pretty good job here. Well, they're going to acknowledge if it doesn't go well, so you might as well acknowledge when it does go well. I mean, what the hell, <laughs> right? Well, they say, as you well Damn. know, Dan, they say, yeah, they say about quarterbacks, you get too much of the credit and too much of the blame, and I think that holds true with head coaches as well. And let's face it, Sean Payton was a lot better coach when he had Drew Brees than when he didn't last year. Uh, Bill Belichick was a heck of a lot better coach when he had Tom Brady than when he doesn't. Now, that's not to say they're not great coaches. They are. We all know that. Everyone acknowledges that. But Mike Tomlin's going through the same thing this year. 
playing without Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Pete Carroll playing without Russell Wilson. Uh, so the, when you, you look at those coaches that have had that 10 plus year run in their respective cities, the one thing they all have in common is they all had a hall of fame quarterback. You know, babe, you, you have a very unique perspective on this, being a TV anchor and sports director at, at a TV station, being a former player and being uh, the radio analyst. You have a unique perspective, but you also have a unique situation. In our city, Jimmy Ursay will make a video where it's either, you know, some kind of motivational thing. In your city, uh, your owner basically does two or three press conferences a week. Like, uh, how is that? How does that – is that a great thing for everybody? Is that a bad thing? What, what is that in, in Dallas? Well, I, I do think it makes it more difficult on the head coach. Um, and, and let's face it, the owner here is the face of the franchise. It, it's not the quarterback. It's clearly not the head coach. Um, it's the owner. And I, I beg to say that that is – the only this is the only city <laughs> NFL city right. uh, of the first two teams where that's the case but that is, that is the way it is here so I, I think you can't fight it hey there have been people the owner is also the GM here has the title and there have been people that want the owner to fire the GM for the last 25 years <laughs> and I just say why, why are you doing that it's it's mental gymnastics the the owner is not going to fire the GM so you, you got to figure out a way to <laughs> you got to figure out a way to, to navigate and deal with it. And as I, I often say, Dan, there's 32 NFL teams, right? 32 NFL cities. Um, every team does it differently. You, you could go from here to the Giants, Giants to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, to Green Bay, and every organization operates a little bit differently. And this one operates differently just in the sense that your owner is also your general manager. Babe, in this world, it astounds me. He could have a press conference, and if you really listen to what he says, it might be innocuous. It might be like, oh, okay. But, Dad, go on, that dude, everything gets, I don't know, maneuvered, twisted. It's amazing to me to watch. It's fascinating for me. Well, and let me just say, he loves every part of that. Um, one thing about the Cowboys <laughs> – one thing about the Cowboys of being here, I played my last two years in the NFL were here. Uh, I've been doing media in some form or fashion ever since. I've been doing the Cowboy games for the last 27 years. Um, there's never apathy, right? You, 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 anywhere you go in the country, people have an opinion on the Dallas Cowboys. They may hate them, most love them, uh, but there's never apathy like, oh, the Cowboys, yeah, you know, I, I really don't pay much attention to them, to be quite honest. So, uh, They've done a great job here in terms of the marketability. Obviously, they're the most valuable franchise in the world. Uh, and they've been, they've really had just an above average product. I think we could all agree to that over the last 25 years. They they won the three Super Bowls in the first six years here uh, with Jimmy Johnson, then Barry Switzer, and of course the owner was here. Um, but since then, so they've had to basically, in my mind, Dan, they've Somebody else has the iPhone. They've got the best technology in the world. Somebody else does. But somehow the owner has figured out a way to outsell them. And if you look at the, this football team, this at the end of this year, 
The highest rated game on CBS, I will guarantee you, will be a Cowboys game. The highest Monday night game will be a Cowboys game. The highest Sunday night football game will be a Cowboys game in terms of ratings. So the networks just can't get enough of them. And, and again, they've done a great job, just an off-the-charts job uh, of marketing this team and marketing what has really been a, an above-average product. You know, hey, New England has had the iPhone up there, right? But New England is not the, the most valuable franchise in the world. New England is not the media darling for every network wanting to get them on TV. It's been the Dallas Cowboys. Do, do you feel that as a player? Do you feel that when you travel with the Cowboys as a broadcaster? You do. Uh, you, you see the interest. And I, I played, I knocked around a little bit in the NFL for eight years, played for four different teams. And, you know, they're all obviously big time NFL cities. Um, and But when I got to Dallas, it was different. It really was. It was different. It was special. Um, what I really love, Dan, is we go, you know, NFC East, right? You go to Washington, you go to Philadelphia, you go to New York or New Jersey and stay at the Cowboys hotel. We, we fly in the charter, uh, Brad Sham, my play-by-play guy and I were on the charter. We're at the hotel and you get to the hotel and there's all these fans and obviously there's security and they're roped off, but guys got the Jersey accent, right? Babe, babe. I can't do the Jersey accent, but Hey, we're going to win today. We're going to yeah. win tomorrow. And I'm like, and I, and I always go up to him. I say, let me ask you a question. That is not a Texas accent I'm hearing. I said, how did you become a Cowboys fan? And to a man, Dan, to a man, they say, well, when I was a teenager, I didn't get along with my dad. We are, we fought, we argued, whatever it was. And he said, I couldn't do anything about it. The only thing that would really piss him off is if I became a Cowboys fan. So it's the old thing. The enemy of my enemy is a friend of mine, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, I think the Yankees and the Cowboys, they got they, they cornered the market on those kind of things. Hey, last thing before I let you go. Um, your quarterback, grip seems to be important to me. And do you anticipate <laughs> Dak Prescott back sooner or later? Uh, I think it'll be another week. It certainly won't be this week against the Rams. I think Philadelphia next week will be a 50-50 proposition. But, yeah, the grip – obviously is important. And let me, I don't know if we can do this on zoom, but the one thing I've got on this side of the ball, I've got four fingers. I can control it with, right? That ball sits in here. The only thing on this side of the ball is my thumb. So if I, if I smash up my middle finger, whatever ring finger, I got three other fingers that can compensate and still grip that football and still give me a little, give me a little ability to spiral the ball Uh, on this side. It's only the thumb. And so People keep talking about when's he going to come back and this and that, and who's going to make the determination. You know what's going to make the determination of when Dak comes back? This right here, (laughs) his thumb. When he can grip it and throw it, he'll be back. And until that time, we'll just enjoy Cooper Rush. Yeah, like I said, I'm no genius, but I I think your description is absolutely right. I mean, damn. I mean, I take the thumb out of it and try to throw a football. I'm not sure you can. No, you cannot. (laughs) But I can I can take I can have a jammed up finger on over here because I again I have the ability to compensate with my other three. But uh, on that side of the football, there's your thumb, and that's it. Babe, I appreciate it, man. Keep up the great work. Appreciate you spending a little time with us. Great stuff. Thanks. Okay, Dan, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. My pleasure. That's the great Babe Laufenberg. You hear him on the Cowboys. 
radio network with Brad Sham, and they're fantastic. They are. They're just fun. And I listen to radio broadcasts. I'm weird this way. I just like listening to radio broadcasts. I think NFL announcers are fine. Everybody's fine, but I like listening to the radio. I love listening to Rick Venturi and Matt Taylor here in my own city. It's great. No, it is. So don't expect uh, – yeah, look. Hey, I'm going to try to throw a football. I don't think you can. You know, like, thumb seems to be pretty important. I have a friend who lost this finger – and he's still one of the best golfers. He played basketball with me, Joey Hillman. Uh, he lost a finger in a in a. He was running a lumber company, and they stamped it off. And he's still, you know, one of the best golfers that there is. But you, you better not lose a thumb. By the way, we got our YouTube fixed. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, a little late, but we'll be back on it tomorrow. Hey, who's our woke dope of the day? Who is it? Oh man! Oh yeah! H. Stern left his bunker. Wow. All right. Go get him. And then, of course, well, Lorenz, or Taylor Lorenz, who might be, she is. How does that woman employ? Like, uh, Taylor Lorenz goes after one of her own colleagues. And Taylor Lorenz, if you followed this child, um, this is a child. Like, this is, I believe, the most embarrassing person to be in the media. Now, I'm not saying I'm not embarrassing. Sure, I'm embarrassing, blah, 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 blah. But my God, this woman criticizes a colleague um, for having an opinion different than her. This woman is a complete idiot. And I'm not, you know, I do say the word idiot a lot on here, but my God, like when I see Tay, she's crying because people are mean to her. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable, this person. And I hate to even talk about it. I believe she is the biggest child. She's got 341 people that follow her, and I'm guessing they follow her just to see what a freaking child this woman is. Man, oh, man. I, look, I'm all in, man. I'm all in on anything anybody wants to do. Whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, just don't be a phony. Taylor Lorenz knocks on people's doors. She attacks people. She does all this. And as soon as somebody attacks her, she starts crying. It's really unbelievable. It it truly is. But it's the way that the world works. I look at folks like Taylor Lorenz and I legitimately get disgusted. Like, everybody wants to be a victim. Victimhood sells. Everything you do is designed to be a victim. So Taylor Lorenz has to be a victim. She knocks on, what, the libs of TikTok door, goes after people's families, but man, oh man, when somebody says something about her, she starts, I'm going to cry. Yeah, well, good. Whatever. I'm sure she's a great writer. I'm sure she's a genius. I'm sure blah, 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 blah. All the things that you're going to tell me, blah, 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 blah. It's like I used to tell my kids, what do you hear when you hear mommy talk? Blah, 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 blah. You want to know why I'm divorced? There it is. But anyway, Taylor Lorenz, good for you. You're an idiot. Uh, we're appreciative of you. I did ask a question earlier today. Two million dollars is 
$2 million is what Memory Lane, Inc., an auction house, is wanting to give for the home run ball, number 62, that Aaron Judge hit, and a guy named Corey Yeomans caught it. You saw him in left field making the catch. $2 million. Let me ask you a question. Do you take the $2 million sight unseen? Yep. Give me $2 million. You know you're going to have to pay tax. Probably going to get a million three out of it maybe. Whatever. Do you say, nah, I can get more? And as I said earlier, $2.5 is a lot of money. I mean, that .5 doesn't seem like a lot when you see these mega contracts, but for a guy like you and me, that .5 is $500,000. Do you give it back to Judge? I, I'd have a hard time not just giving it to Judge. I know, well, you got money. No, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I had money until this idiot got in office and 401ks, mine like the rest of ours, is going in the toilet. But yeah, okay, I had money. Not enough, but I had some. But now, hell, I got to work till I'm 80 probably. But anyway, long story short, I think I would just give it. I, I think I would, and that doesn't, I'm not saying that for any other reason than to be honest, and I don't think people on Twitter... I don't think that they buy it. Uh, Joe Henderson says he would just take the $2 million. Says he would just take the $2 million. That's, You know what? Give me the $2 million. Uh, Mark Springer says, offer it to judge for $1.8 million. If he says no, I'd sell it for $2 million the next day. Uh, Greg Lackey says $2 million is life-changing. I'd have to cash that lottery ticket in. I agree. Uh, Scott says, wait for more. That's life-changing money. If I already was well off, I would give it to him. Todd Burton says, I'm cashing the check. CJ Sells says, I am selling it to the highest bidder. I can't argue with any of these. Like, I'm not arguing. Some guy named Dave Belden says, Dockage, he gives it to the the judge. I do. I think I do. Uh, Dan, the contrarian, says, it's pure nonsense to give it. Judge, the Yankees, MLB have plenty of money. This is once in a lifetime. No one will ever remember the name of the ball catcher because they foolishly gave away their lottery ticket. Uh, Dan, this is from Josh. Judge is getting over $300 million in a contract. I first offer it to Judge for the $2 million as he can easily afford it. If he decides, if he declines, it goes to the next offer. If I was already in a position where two milli doesn't do anything for me, I'd just give it to him as long as he donates a bike to you. Thank you for that, Josh. Very much appreciated. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not mad at any of the answers. I think that it's just a personal decision. Darren says sold. I, I don't disagree. Like, I'd probably, I, I think I would give it to him, but I also am not sure I wouldn't sell it. I don't know. My inclination was that here. I wouldn't give it to Slappy Johnny, though. I wouldn't give it to some uh, security guard. I would give it to, like, one of his teammates to give to Judge. That's assuming one of his teammates would give it to Judge. It's an interesting question. It's not really a moral dilemma. It's not, it doesn't make me a good person because I said I would give it to Judge. It just makes me that's something that I would do. For more previewing, wait, where is it? Colts, Colts, and more Colts. Battle of the horse. Broncos, Colts coming up tonight. 
1075 The Fan. You can catch all day at Outkick.com. We will be back at it tomorrow with a fixed Twitter feed. Yeah. Thanks to everybody on the YouTube chat. I was spying on you, and it was always, as always, it was saucy. Have a fantastic Thursday. Go horse. See you tomorrow.